Hello, watchers. I'm Katie Sarasset. And I'm Kelly Appel. And we're watching out loud. Hi, Barbie. Hello, Barbie. Hi, Hi Watcher Barbies. Barbies. Welcome to episode two. We're back. We're back. Um, you know, real quick, we just wanted to say from the first episode, we dropped the ball and we didn't honor Eartha Kit as Catwoman, which is like literally blasphemy. Yeah, devastating. Yeah, so um, redact. <laughs> yeah, redact. <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer <laughs> is my favorite Catwoman in film. Yeah. And then Eartha Kit is my favorite Catwoman in television. There you go. There we go. That's perfect. I think that's better. Perfect. And we also wanted to give a uh, shout out and thank you to all of our friends and buddies that yeah. have been so kind to us. And it's been kind of like uh, positively overwhelming how yeah. sweet everyone's been. And like, you know, uh, creating, being creative and creating content is kind of scary. Mm-hmm. Like, you know. You want yeah. your friends to still think you're cool. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so thank you for still thinking we're cool yeah. and not making us feel embarrassed. Yeah. And we love you guys and it's disgusting. So shut up. Kisses. <laughs> um, and then just friendly reminder, our third episode will drop on February 6th. Mm-hmm. We're um, doing every other week for, for now. now. Our goal is to get to one episode a week. But, yeah. you know. But we have real jobs, people. Yeah. Like. Don't- like pay us to do this and Find we'll get you on every week. Find someone to sponsor week. us. Yeah. And we can be even more powerful. Exactly. We'll take over the world. Um, so Katie, like this week we're talking about Barbie. That's why we called everyone a fascist. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wonder how many people picked up on that or just thought that we were fingers calling crossed. them fascists. Because uh, I really hope everyone doesn't think I think they are fascists. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to be a fascist. No. So it's just like a cheeky little joke just for now. Goofy. We're just being silly goose. So like Barbie, she's a moment um, mm-hmm. right now. Um, it was this was a girly summer, honestly. It really was. It was a girly summer. Barbie was like the highest grossing film, I think, this year. For sure. Might misquote me on that no, one, but it I know has it to be Oppenheimer. Yeah, which um, I mean, you could even say Oppenheimer was a girly movie because it was starring Killian Murphy, and that's true. And he, he is, is for the girls. He is for the girls. Yeah, he's definitely like girl hot for sure. Yeah. Um, but like, do you have any personal Barbie stories? I don't. Or, I mean, you're a little younger, so you could be a bratz girly. I was more of a bratz girl mm-hmm. for sure. You had a passion for fashion. <laughs> I had the what was it? The original, like the remake of the original Barbie. Mm-hmm. Um. And I just liked her because she was blonde and I felt Mm -hmm. like I should probably be a blonde because it was the era of Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I quickly moved on to Bratz and um, I remember my mom said this isn't very PC, but she was like, you want a Bratz doll? But they look like whores. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're cool. (laughs) They look like they could beat me up and I love it. They they absolutely look like they look they. (gasps) They're like Cookie Monster Pants girls. <laughs> Wait, brats are like Cookie Pants? Cookie Monster Pants Because they're like, they're pretty, Jesus. they're pretty, and they can be really nice, but they can throw hands. But the Cookie Monster Pants girls, I would say is I more know. aggressive. Is, I would say is more aggressive. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking like Hot Top Cheetos girl then. You're thinking Hot Cheetos girl, because Cookie Monster PJ Pants girl. But they also eat girl, Hot Cheetos. But not, I also eat Hot Cheetos. I also <laughs> eat Hot Cheetos, but if you guys don't know... Cookie Monster Pajama Pants Girl 
it's a the, phenomenon. It's the kind of girl that shops exclusively at the Dollar Tree. I, w- I wouldn't say that. Maybe Walmart, too. Yeah. Oh, and Walmart. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I think it's more that they're just girls that are willing to wear Cookie Monster pants in public and then but will also kick your ass. <clears throat> Yeah, and I think <laughs> we scare you a little. We've bit. all known women like that, and uh, they're kind of my favorite. But I'm also scared of them. Yeah, but I don't know if I would call a Bratz doll. No, that. I think they're more of a Hot Cheetos girl. Yeah, I think they're more of a Hot Cheetos girl, and like always have the perfect eyebrows mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Slang for sure. Yeah, for their sure. Their makeup was like phenomenal. Yeah, it it was very intimidating <laughs> when I was in college. <laughs> Anyway, what are your Barbie experiences? (laughs) Well, I definitely was a Barbie girl. So, well, I also had Polly Pocket, but Barbie. Oh, I had Polly Pocket. Well, I had, did you You have this Polly Pocket? I had the tiny one for a little bit, but then I moved on to like the- Yeah, I had the stick up your nose Polly Pocket. I had like the three, the three inch Polly Pocket. All I did was lose her. All I did was lose her (laughs) tiny ass. Those are the biggest choking hazards. I know, but it was And it looks like their little houses are like a pill case. They're like, at least it's not made out of metal. I guess. (laughs) And now they're just somewhere on an island, on Trash Island. But um, I I definitely had Barbies and I prefer, like my thing, I definitely played Barbies like into sixth grade, which is like embarrassing. But (laughs) I, like when I played them by myself, I mostly just like dressing them up, which is very like Sims of me. Yeah. Um, But I did have one Ken and I lived my whole life thinking I had this one Ken doll. And then I was watching like a TikTok because like, uh, you know, so much content has come out about Barbies post Barbie and before the Barbie movie. And um, I realized I didn't even have a Ken doll. I had an Allen doll. That's pretty iconic. And I'm like, that is so, my Barbies were living such a good life. (laughs) (laughs) I just love that. You had very progressive Barbies. I did. So um, before we like jump into the movie really quick, I just kind of wanted to bring up like the Golden Globes of of it all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, What is his name? Joey Quo? Joe Coy. Joey Coy. I think. <laughs> I can't even say it. My brain doesn't want it. Joey. <laughs> Joe Coy. I can say it. Yeah. So he made the joke about like how Oppenheimer is like this great book and then Barbie yeah. is just a doll with boobies. Yeah. And then I just wanted to say something because like Greta Gerwig handled like her her response was mm-hmm. so great, which was like, well, he's not wrong. Yeah. I think that he just like really showed the point as to of why the, the movie. movie was yes. made. <laughs> and it's just like, well... He, he proved it. He yeah. proved the point. <laughs> he, he didn't get the message. And, you know, not to be this person, but as someone who used to do stand-up comedy, like, to blame it on writers immediately because your, com- like, joke flopped Oh, my is God. That's really embarrassing. But, like, I've been at stand-up shows, like, local shows mm-hmm. where, like... Which are also embarrassing. The comedian... <laughs> I almost want to put that in air quotes. Uh, <laughs> is, like, just... Is not doing jokes. well, like, <laughs> doing for very their well, yeah, fighting for their life. And then they just like turn on the crowd. Mm-hmm. I've been in that situation where it's just so been like, awk. you guys don't even know what's funny. And it's like, huh. try, try being a woman. Comic. <laughs> like, oh, I can imagine. Yeah. And I can actually like speak because I've been paid. I've been paid to tell jokes. You're technically a professional. I'm technically a professional. <laughs> <laughs> I just remember seeing you do stand up once and you had a little Wayne potato oh, chip joke that's a good joke iconic yeah I'm, but you know what here's the thing never ever ever ask someone who does stand up to tell you a joke like on the spot because it's never going to be funny oh no <laughs> people always do that i'm like it's not funny that way but anyway <laughs> i just thought that was like he really proved the whole movie's point mm-hmm. with that joke and then greta just handled it so well because guess what she got the bag regardless <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> that was like uh i think she's the first female director to ever break a billion dollars 
That's crazy. And it beat out Oppenheimer in the mm-hmm. box office, which everyone, I think a lot of people thought Oppenheimer would have bought beat Barbie. Yeah. Which is, you know. I wonder if it's like, because I think for me, I don't know how it was for you. I was like, yeah, Oppenheimer, I'm excited about it. Obviously, I loved that movie, but I knew Barbie was going to be like the thing because and I think a part of it was the marketing, but also just like the mass excitement over it coming out. Mm-hmm. I feel like you would have to be like, either a man with not a lot of women friends mm-hmm. or older than like probably 45, 50 to think that Oppenheimer would have done better. Yeah. I in mean, my opinion, I guess I thought it would do better just because it's like, you know, it's like, it's definitely a film that seems Oscar worthy, just like, because yeah. it's a historical film and it's based on something like so horrific and yeah. like such a sad story and stuff. Whereas like, you know, Barbie did just seem so much more just like fun. Yeah. Like, but well, it does have such an important message. And yeah. I think a lot of people underestimated Barbie initially. I think what it is, is like, I think Oppenheimer, if I were to say like deserves more Oscars, I would say probably deserves more Oscars. Maybe like I could see Barbie winning for like a reg- original screenplay and stuff like that. But I think Oppenheimer probably has like better, technically better acting performances and stuff like that. It is a very good and important movie. But as far as commercial success mm-hmm. goes, the fact that anyone thought that Oppenheimer would make more money than Barbie is kind of I mean, again, surprising. at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because Barbie made more money. They made more money and the <laughs> and joke's like on said, you. Early summer, you can like Taylor Swift or not, but you know what? She like when Beyonce and Taylor Swift and Barbie movie like saved the economy this <laughs> summer. It's like a fact. For real. But um, so could you like actually tell us about Barbie movie? Yes. So at the beginning of the film, which I'm sure a lot of us have seen at this point, mm-hmm. um, Barbie land is considered perfect. The Barbies are in charge of everything and the Kens basically just worship them and need them to validate their existence. Which I wish it was really like that. Not too bad. Um, When Barbie starts having thoughts of death, though, she is encouraged to go to the real world to find who is playing with her and making her sad. Mm -hmm. Um, I wish that it was that simple. (laughs) (laughs) That's where she meets Gloria and her daughter, Sasha. And Barbie takes them back to Barbie land to show them how great it is compared to the miserable real world that oppresses women. Mm -hmm. When they return, though, we see that Ken has brought back all he learned about patriarchy and has put um, the Barbie world into the control of the Kens and subjecting the Barbies to being long-term, long-distance, low-commitment, casual girlfriends <laughs> that fetch them brusky beers. <laughs> Gloria alongside Sasha and the Barbies and, can't forget Alan, hmm. helped to restore Barbie land to the perfection it was before with some more rights for Kens. But Barbie herself chooses to become a real person and live in the real world with all of the feelings, good and bad. That's great. I love, um, what is it that Ruth says to Barbie right before she changes? Um, Humans have one ending, but ideas live forever. Yeah. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, Okay, so let me talk a little bit about the film. Um, Barbie released in 2023, directed by Greta Gerwig, written by Greta Gerwig and her husband, Noem Baumbach. And uh, Margot Robbie is one of the film's producers. She was heavily involved in uh, casting for the film. And Margot got the bag because her production (laughs) company was involved with this film. And good Good for her. her. Uh, So Greta Gerwig became the first female solo director in history with a billion dollar movie. 
Barbie's staggering achievement was even recognized at the uh, Golden Golden Globes when it received the Cinematic and Box Office Achievement Award. Which was like the first, the, the, it seems like the award was created for, for that movie. Barbie, yeah. yeah. Um, so some quick fun facts. There was so much pink paint used on scent, set that the, it caused an international shortage. So funny. Uh, it took Margot only eight shots to perfect the stepping out of the heel shot, which I thought was CGI this whole time. Uh, Is she not just CGI? <laughs> honest to God. She's stunning. Uh, there's like so many movies referenced in this movie, more than I even initially mm-hmm. thought. So there's... 2001 A Space Odyssey. There's Clueless. What's the Clueless reference? The Clueless reference is actually her closet. How the way oh, how she like yeah, opens yeah, yeah. and changes the outfit I remember another that outfit now. automatically populates. Yes. Um, so we got Clueless. We've got Wizard of Oz is a huge theme in the movie. We have Matrix with the heel versus Birkenstock. Mm-hmm. Midnight Cowboys, which I've never seen, but there's Midnight Cowboy references. Shining reference. Are you shining right now with Barbie? Oh. <laughs> Top Gun reference. Um, and honestly, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, I'm not even going to go there. There's, there's so, so many, many that you like, like I didn't oh, even think about over so the many head. of these. Yeah. yeah. Um, Ken's legal name in the real world is and Ken, which is seen on <laughs> oh, the mugshot. Yeah, that's Barbie right. Barbie says Barbie and Ken says and Ken. <laughs> um, so that's his, uh, his full Christian name. Love that. Uh, I wanted to give uh, an honor to uh, some of the weird Barbies that mm-hmm. were turned up at Weird Barbie's house. So you had like the video screen Barbie, yeah. uh, the puberty skipper, I think it was, where her breasts grow. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to give a special shout out to Earring Ma- Magic Earring Ken, aka mm-hmm. Cochrane Ken. Um, Iconic 90s really, Cochrane Ken. Really quick, wanted to talk about it. in the Barbie movie, he's just wearing a necklace that says Barbie. But the actual doll in the 90s had a cock ring. Yeah. And it's literally stemmed that they had little girls. They asked little girls, should Barbie get a new boyfriend? Or like, what should we do with Ken? He wasn't doing well. Um, and basically little girls were like, make Ken cooler. So they started going out <laughs> to raves yeah. and kind of like tried to emulate the fashion. So he's wearing a mesh shirt, <laughs> a, like a purple pleather vest. And a cock ring necklace with an earring in the left ear. He was quickly pulled from shelves when they realized <laughs> uh, what his style was. And he's actually like in LGBT museums and stuff. Yeah, because I was going to say. He is actually recognized as like a gay Kendall. Yeah, because <laughs> it's like just mainstream culture stealing from the gays again. Yeah. <laughs> um, the clip at the end where Barbie gets all the women's experiences basically was a collaboration from the entire cast and crew oh that's like even more beautiful yeah because it's like their actual personal yeah and then the daughter sasha and her best friends in school are actually references to brat stalls which are sasha jade chloe and yasmin which is funny because they're so uh sasha's so mean to barbie in that Mm -hmm. initial um, interaction and it's i think it's kind of a hint at the fact that like commercially speaking Bratz was the first doll to really threaten Barbie in the yeah. market. Um, and what I appreciate about Bratz, which we didn't really talk about, and this uh, quote is coming from a Business Insider article, said, launched by MGA Entertainment in 2001, Bratz dolls were marketed as Barbie's ethnically ambiguous, diverse counterpart. So something I really appreciate about Bratz that I wanted to acknowledge is that she did they did really challenge the beauty standards mm-hmm. of Barbies. Barbie did have... Um, you know, there were other ethnicities of Barbies, but I mean, really what we consistently see yeah. is blonde, blue-eyed Barbie, whereas yeah. with Bratz, you do actually see the four main, which are kind of like, mm-hmm. you know, 
they are clearly diverse, more diverse than yeah. Barbie. Yeah. Um, so I really appreciate that they actually did threaten that Eurocentric beauty standard that Barbie upholds. Yeah. Um, so now that I'm done gabbing about fun facts, <laughs> can you like actually give us like a reader digest summary of like <laughs> feminism in the media? For sure. Let's condense the last like what? 70 years into a couple minutes, shall we? <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> so I'm going to take a lot of this uh, summary from the book Where the Girls Are by Susan J. Douglas. It was a, it's a case study about um, kind of the evolution of feminism in mainstream media uh, from like the 50s through the 90s when the book was published. Um so the idea that it's like starting after World War II, mainstream media was primarily marketed towards girls and women because after the war, we wanted women to get back in the house and we got them back in the house by making all of these super cool uh, appliances. And like recipes <laughs> that take eight hours long and it's like exactly. jello salmon surprise. It's the grossest shit you've ever exactly. seen. Exactly. And so that was really to like... Like not only to get women back in the house and back into more traditional Mm -hmm. roles, but then also to um, kind of spur on uh, consumerism in this like booming, new booming economy after World War II. And so uh, a lot of like television shows at the time in like the 50s and 60s were showing women as like traditional housewives Mm -hmm. and shows were much more like um, it was kind of like slice of life, but it was very like like clean and not dramatic Not to interject too much yes. but I don't like I never watched any of those shows like but mm-hmm. I know about like leave it to Beaver. but I have seen this clip of an old one of those types of shows and it's the dad's like outside barbecuing and the son says something like why are you I don't know talking to his dad about something and then the dad says something about like his when the mom's naughty she gets spanked or something oh. and I was just like this is like fucking wild that's yeah, just that's like, like on tv yeah, that's like primetime television yeah. yeah daddy's talking about spanking money exactly and so so like a major like version of like a commonly known one is the donna reed show mm-hmm. um which is like donna reed has her own place in like women in entertainment and stuff she was a producer on the show and all that but the way that women were represented was very like traditional Whereas uh, when you had the rise of uh, the women's liberation movement in the 1970s with all of those like iconic girlies like Gloria Steinem, mm-hmm. um, there was this shift where feminism was starting to get popular. It's like, yeah, it was very countercultural and like a lot of mainstream media as well as po- po- like politics was fighting it like tooth and nail. But like it was becoming more popular and more seen through news media. And so there were starting to be more like shows, magazines, ads, et cetera, being more marketed toward feminists. So kind of a show from the seventies that contrasts with the Donna Reed show is Maude starring icon B. B. Arthur. Arthur. Yeah. I've never watched Maude, but I did watch, I watched a lot of each one as mm-hmm. a teenager and they had the series. I love the seventies and I love the eighties. And they talk a lot about Maude because it was so progressive. Yeah. And I recall they even mentioned that there was an episode where Maude gets an abortion because she decides she's too old yeah. to have a kid. She has a full grown adult daughter that's about to get married. I mean, in the show, she's like 45, <laughs> which is crazy. So Cause old. some moms start yeah. at like 45 now, which yeah. is awesome. But, um, but the fact that they were willing to air something like that versus like me in the early 2000s watching Degrassi where in Canada, they, they did make an abortion episode, but mm-hmm. they removed the episode um, for the U S and I didn't see it until I was an adult. 
Yeah, exactly. And that that kind of really just speaks to like every few years, there's kind mm-hmm. of like a shift back and forth in mainstream media for how feminism is being presented. It's like as it starts gaining more popularity with women, then mass media, mainstream media is going to start like engaging with that content and creating more like content for absolutely feminists. Yeah. But then when there's backlash against feminism in the political sphere and like more of a patriarchal society and those like voices, then mainstream media is going to go back to trying to be a bit more traditional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's always an overcorrection, but it is something that um, Douglas really shows in this case study is that there is still always steady progression, like progress of feminism. Um, It's just, it's always going to be like three steps forward, two steps back. That's kind of how this shift works. And then you all like, you have like bigger movements that are those, the kind that really stand out in our history. So like 1970s liberation movement, and then probably like in the nineties, you had like another wave of feminism with more queer theory. And then you know, in the last like what, 10 years, it's been a lot of like Me Too movement mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. And so we see a lot of the media that we consume reflect these things from like music, television, film, ads, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, and so Barbie is really no exception to that. Um, they definitely are probably the biggest voice right now when it comes to like feminism in mainstream media. Yeah, and I want to clarify, we're talking about the film, not the yeah, doll. Yes. Like, yeah. Although the we, doll is, but yeah, but we're talking yeah, about the film. But just yeah. to be, yeah, because I do think like the doll holds some different meaning yeah. for some people and I do want to be like respectful of that, yeah. but we're talking about the context of the film. Yeah, exactly. I didn't, sorry to No, for sure. And, um, and so I think that like when we look at kind of how Barbie it's like the ways that it's addressing all of this. It's like, there is like some very like overt ways that it's addressing feminism, like with Gloria's monologue and stuff, but they do like some really interesting, like more subtle things too. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so what I'm really, what I really like focused on when analyzing those moments in the film was the like use of parody Mm -hmm. in Barbie And um, parody defined is imitation with deliberate exaggeration for comedic effect. And parody often creates this like sense of absurdity. Mm -hmm. And I think we can agree like Barbie land and the Kens are very absurd. Yeah, exactly. And so um, I kind of drew on theories from theater of the absurd from like, what was it like the forties through the seventies? And um there's this German, there was this German dramatist and director, Bertolt Breck, that used absurdity uh, to create what he called the alienation effect. Um, the alienation effect involves the use of techniques designed to distance the audience from emotional involvement in the play. It, and you could also take it as a movie film, yeah. through jolting reminders of the artificiality of the performance. Uh, Brecht regarded his method as a way of helping spectators understand the complexities of historical development and societal relationships. By creating stage effects that were strange or unusual, Brecht intended to assign the audience an active role in the production by forcing them to ask questions about the artificial environment and how each individual element related to real life events. In doing so, it was hoped that it was hoped that viewers would distance themselves emotionally from problems that demanded intellectual solutions. 
So if we think about that specifically, what is happening in Barbie is that there's all these like absurd things happening. Oh, a thousand percent. That people, we know like people have been like, they'll either find it very funny or some people have been like bothered, found it offensive or something. But the whole point of that is to show like, yes, this is so absurd and unfamiliar, Mm -hmm. but it's in those moments of like, this is weird. This is uncomfortable that we're supposed to reflect and be like, and recognize the ways in which our reality is absurd in itself. Yes. And so Barbie really uses parody, like, and the alienation effect to show the absurdity of like patriarchal society and in contrast, like the logic of feminism. It, it does it too so well in like in little details too. like Ken's whole perception of hyper masculinity that he brings back mm-hmm. to Barbie land is literally a parody of Rocky. Exactly. Like he sees pictures or posters rather of Rocky in like mm-hmm. a gym or something in one of the scenes where he's running around town. And uh, like to he sees that image and he perceives that as like top tier hyper masculinity, <laughs> which I think a peak lot of masculinity. Well, I do think yeah. a lot of men would too. And I'm not. So what does he wear though? When he comes back to Barbie land, he's wearing like a fur jacket <laughs> and like a so no many. shirt and like, yeah. and I've never seen Rocky, but I'm pretty sure there's a scene where he's wearing no shirt with fur jacket. And so it's just like, it's just silly. Like if it is over the top. Ken's yeah. character is kind of offensive because it's trying to like, make you actually think about the way we treat women. Yeah, and it's kind of like, look how absurd this idea of peak masculinity actually is right. when you take it to to its extreme. Extremes, and yeah. it's like, and that's the thing is that it's not necessarily that it's like, oh, it's so extreme, it would never happen like that. It's yeah. like, I don't know. I feel like I've heard people talk a no, little bit I like Ken. we've met guys yeah. like Ken. I feel I, like we've met guys like that. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely think like uh, Barbie... Uh, like is absolutely a feminist film in the fact that it does a really good job of capturing like the prop, the critique of the patriarchy and how it's harmful to both men men and women. Mm -hmm. And ultimately like the patriarchy's response to women's increased presence in the world, like, and in jobs. Yes. Um, Ken's like a immediate reaction to coming into the real world is he automatically feels more power. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it wants to bring that back to the Barbie land and corrupt Barbie. <laughs> land. Whereas uh, Barbie Margot is embracing humanity when mm-hmm. she's in the real world. Um, yeah. Which doesn't necessarily talk about feminism, but I do think that's like just a very interesting dynamic in how they embrace yeah. the real world when they go into it. And I think, even looking at that idea of Barbie choosing to embrace the real world and all like the terrible things that come mm-hmm. with that uh, also speaks to like the feminist um, like catchphrase almost of like mm-hmm. the personal is political mm-hmm. um, in mainstream media and in like, you know, not so mainstream movements of feminism. Uh, that idea of the personal is political has been so central to advancing feminism. Yeah. Because it's this idea that like all of these things that are happening in society and these laws that are made and everything directly affects our personal lives. Mm -hmm. So we need to put that at the forefront because it's only when we take this stuff personally and show how it affects us personally will anything be done. And I think that that's shown both in Barbie land and in the real world within the film. Definitely. And I just really quote 
quickly wanted to quote um, America Ferreira. She said something recently that I think really kind of summarizes my exact feelings about this film. Yeah. Um, There are a lot of people who need feminism 101. Whole generations of girls who don't have words for the culture that they're being raised in. Like, I didn't know what feminism was really Mm -hmm. until my 20s. Like, you know, I knew girl power because of Spice Girls. (laughs) And like that would have been the equivalent, I guess. But I didn't really understand what it meant. I Mm -hmm. I quickly learned (laughs) the power dynamic difference. I think as a kid, I didn't really think there was a power dynamic. um, You were drinking the Kool-Aid of like, we fixed it all. It's fine. Right. Well, and I think ultimately too, like... uh, Hopefully not all kids think so existentially so young, but I mean, it didn't really, I didn't really realize there was a difference mm-hmm. until it became a threat of me becoming pregnant. Oh, like once, yeah. uh, once I was like a teenager and the possibility of pregnancy occurs, it's like suddenly I felt a lot more, um, like there was a lot of strictness around that. Cause yeah. it's like, there's so much pressure on girls. Like since we carry children, like can't get pregnant, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. Yeah. There's so much pressure. And whereas like I felt the first time I noticed it, whereas like teenage boys kind of get to have fun. Mm-hmm. And it's like, even if they do get someone pregnant, they can kind of walk away from that responsibility, whereas yeah. girls can't. And yeah. that was like, I think my first time as a teen understanding like, oh, there's a power difference. Here. Yeah. A um, little difference in freedom. Right. And point. so um, I think this movie is really great. And I love the commercial success of it. I love how mainstream it is because I do think it's exposing so many people to something so remedial Mm -hmm. um, and making it palatable. And like, you know, it would be good for someone that's older that doesn't really understand the concept of feminism. But I think even more importantly, it would be extremely impactful for a little girl. I saw Barbie um, for the second time uh, in a theater at a bachelorette party for one of my best friends. And it was like when Gloria gave her like speech, mm-hmm. it was like women were just cheering. Yeah. And it's like, you know, just that I think that resonated with a yeah. lot of women, even if it's a statement that we already like have digested and understand. It's yeah. still like it's kind of nice. I, I was thinking about it more and it is it's kind of nice to see it in a movie just yeah. laid out. Yeah, because I, I think that it's something that we've seen like because because we've talked about this that like one of our first impressions was like well we've read a lot of feminist theory we weren't really affected by it in the same way I've had some friends that are like you know agree it's like it's like not not saying anything new or whatever but it's like yeah like if if you're exposed to feminist theory in like the classroom or whatever or if you saw like a tiktok that is expressing this sort of stuff like yeah like it's maybe not the newest thing Mm -hmm. you've ever heard specifically talking about the monologue but to have it said in a mainstream, like massive, massive box office, like the most commercially successful thing of 2023. (laughs) Yeah. Like that's pretty Pretty empowering. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's it's important and it's going to go, it's going to be an important part of like our history. In the same way that we regard silence as a feminist film from 30 years ago, like just not to make too much, but like the comparison of how like subtle that film is versus how overt this film is and just the evolution of feminism Mm -hmm. in film. It's really cool to get to watch two feminist films back to back that are so, 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 so different. Yeah. And like, even when I told you before I had seen Barbie, I was like, I'm not going into this thinking that I'm going to learn something new about feminism. I definitely had perceived this movie as like a feminist 101 class yeah like intro to feminism which is so funny that america literally i know described I've, it that I way think that's how i literally said it exactly because <laughs> I, I think that that's kind of what what a lot of people i mean me included at first was expecting was it for 
to like, to, for me to learn something yeah. for it to be that impactful. But then, yeah, hearing you phrased it as feminism 101 and then literally now, now it being in the New York times mm-hmm. stated as that, that's the intent. That's what it is. Look how smart you are. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but yeah, but it's just like, I think it is just important, like, uh, to have it as black and white as, as, yes. her, as her saying that it's yes. important. It's important for everyone to know because people are just going to like criticize it for the sake of criticizing because it's women. You know, like women we created. all got opinions. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, well, you know what? Let's switch switch gears here a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. talk about our Barbie. Let's talk about Margot. Yeah. So um, Margot, I don't know if anyone knew this, but well, I hope you didn't. It wasn't that long ago, but she was not the original Barbie mm-hmm. um, in 2016. Originally, when this film actually, there was a few times they tried to make this film. They just really had a hard time. But 2016 was like the closest they got yeah. in a long time. And Amy Schumer was the original Barbie, which, like, with much respect, like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> How much respect can you really put yeah, on? I, I just, yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, it's she's uh, a joke stealer. She's not that funny. I don't know. I don't really like Amy Schumer, but this um, isn't a Schumer stand podcast. No, it's not. So, um, she was a co-writer and they were having creative difficulties. And so they, she ended up walking away from it. And mm-hmm. then we got Margot. Um, and just a little background about uh, Miss Robbie here. Um, in total, she's had 75 nominations for films and has won 14 awards, including a Teen Choice Role <laughs> Award. Uh, her role in I, Tanya, which is my personal favorite, mm-hmm. period, um, got her a nomination for an Academy Award, BAFTA and Golden Globe. Um, and actually, she is technically a Golden Globe winner, I think, now for Barbie. So Yeah, for the box office mm-hmm. award, right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, just wanted to send some of those acknowledgments because she's a hard worker. Um, so Margot's character is the stereotypical Barbie, which I find to be very intentional. Oh, because yeah. she's not, you know, a Nobel Peace Prize winning Barbie. She's not President Barbie. Mm-hmm. She's just Barbie. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason why they chose that is for it to resonate more in the real world when she meets Sasha and mm-hmm. them. And they're like, oh, you have a Nobel Peace Prize. And she's like, well, not me. But yeah, and honestly, like. I'm stereotypical Barbie because like I have no <laughs> talents other than the art of never shutting up. <laughs> so yeah, and I think that like like stereotypical the the wording of stereotypical yeah. is also very conscious because yes. it is speaking to like the Euro- Eurocentric appearance of Barbie, the fashion of Barbie, yes. all of that sort of stuff that like a lot of people will write off Barbie mm-hmm. as just being a plastic doll with big boobies to quote. Cool. <laughs> punch his lights out. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, no, definitely. And um, ultimately Barbie starts having fears of death, which you discussed is her tethering to Gloria yeah. in the real world. Um, and once Barbie, something I just wanted to mention is like, uh, I love, well, first of all, I think my favorite scene is when they travel to the real world. Mm-hmm. I love I love that. I watched even how they like created those scenes. Yeah. It's so cute and campy. Um, but Barbie ends up being forced to go to the real world so that she can get rid of her cellulite ultimately. <laughs> and um, understandable. And uh, as soon as she's in the real world, she automatically feels the power dynamic shift. Yeah. Whereas Ken is like, you know hey, why is every, Barbie's like, all these, why are all these men looking at me? And she feels, sounds very conscious and like self-conscious about it. And Ken's like, yeah, they're looking at me too, like (laughs) happy about it. Yeah. Um, 
And then she's like, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I just feel like a lot of respect. I'm not quoting him directly. And she's like, well, I very much feel an undertone of violence. Yeah. And so that immediate shift into the real world, Barbie is experiencing like womanhood for really what it is, which I Mm -hmm. think is really sad because in Barbie's sweet naivete before leaving Barbie land, she thought she fixed the real world with her existence existence um so talk about like a reality check yeah um for her and um you know as our beautiful stereotypical barbie progressively becomes to love humanity we see the humanity in her we see freckles we see fine lines when they zoom in on her face yeah and i just really really quick wanted to talk about that scene where she's sitting on the bench which i kind of mentioned a little bit earlier but what I loved most of all of that scene is mm-hmm. when she turns and looks at the older woman sitting at the bench next to her yeah. and tells her, you're so beautiful. Mm-hmm. To which the older woman responds, I know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is just like, I ugly cry. Because <laughs> it's just like, first of all, to have Barbie, who is supposed to be, you know, the Eurocentric peak beauty standard, especially mm-hmm. stereotypical Barbie, have her see an older woman because there are no older women in barbie land yeah we have kelly the little girl skipper yeah. her teenage sister and barbie yeah there's no one past barbie yeah um to have barbie see an older woman and perceive her as beautiful when she's literally like the epitome of eurocentric beauty standards mm-hmm. is like i thought that was a very powerful scene especially the way adult women get disregarded in society yeah. at a certain point and i think also just talking about how like when barbie does start feeling more human emotions. That is when we see like the fine lines and the Mm -hmm. freckles, the woman that she calls beautiful has like, she's an older woman, but they could so many things that cast older women are still like very beautiful older women, like in a stereotypical way. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Sitting next to you on a bench. It's like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Just like fucking rude. (laughs) But but this woman, like she, she has like a lot of fine lines. She and looks wrinkles. like she's lived life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like she, she looks like women that we've seen in the real world and they don't like doctor her to look less her age. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really beautiful, really honestly. beautiful. <laughs> it's so cool. And the fact that she has the full confidence in her own beauty, which means she has the full confidence in the life that she lived. Mm-hmm. Like she takes pride in who she is, the life she lived and and it's just like we sh- we would all be so lucky. Which is such a great to think about it later. The shift to when Barbie returns to Barbie Land, realize shits hit the fan, mm-hmm. um, and then she per- says like I'm ugly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which was the record get sca- one of the record scratch moments in the film. <laughs> yeah. Which I I honestly love that joke because you know it's like how they were just were like yeah we recognize this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Speaking it's, to like every every moment we've had where our skinniest friend calls himself fat. Our skinny fat. hot yeah. friend calls himself fat and ugly. And yeah. We're like, okay, I'm just yeah. like a baked potato then. <laughs> but, you know, it's just like, and that's the that's the tragic beauty of being a woman too, is it's yeah. like we always admire the women we surround ourselves yeah. with and we never show that same love to ourselves. Exactly. <laughs> Not to get exactly. too deep. Which is such a great compare, like, you know, and then we have America as Gloria, who's representing human women mm-hmm. basically yeah who kind of jumps in to help uh barbie you know save barbie land mm-hmm. so america just really quick like back like with a little respect to her background in acting um i think her most famous role is probably sisterhood of the traveling pants yep um 
which I didn't see that movie as a teen. I saw it as an adult and it really put me off how much they really try to push the narrative that she's like the big friend, (laughs) which is like (laughs) ridiculous. But, you know, again, in the context of when it was filmed is... Um, and I really do remember that narrative about America being like a bigger actress. Yeah, I mean, and then she played like Ugly, Ugly Betty, Betty and which stuff, is just like, which I know they like doctored they her up her to hot be eventually in the yeah, show, right? <laughs> but they doctored her up originally to like be like ugly. Well, with, yeah, like, they put her in glasses. Yeah, gl- <laughs> and then gave her Don't like bad hair. Me, I'm no, I'm, my glasses I'm, right I'm just saying just it's kidding. like every movie you yeah. watch from the '90s. It's like, oh, you want to make the weird girl hot? Just pull off her glasses pull off her and glasses. take off that ponytail. And, uh, <laughs> she's gorgeous, <laughs> but uh so yeah I mean I just more meant wanted to say like you know America's really had a successful career despite yeah being cast as that as yeah. that in the early 2000s and kind of probably being held back from roles I'd imagine because yeah. the stuff I hear from actresses that even worse than it's just like it's really doggy dog like mm-hmm. they don't have so um and she did win uh awards for uh Ugly Betty I forgot exactly which word, but I think it was a Golden Globe. Um, so America is playing as Gloria, who's representing women. And, uh, you know, Gloria's whole narrative is as she finds a bigger disconnect growing between she and her daughter as her daughter gets older. Mm-hmm. Um, again, this overarching theme of like mothers and yeah. like the dis- like not losing their daughters, but, you know, the shift of yeah. being your child's whole world to being annoying yeah (laughs) like frankly because you know teenagers are just sociopaths um (laughs) bless their little hearts and um you know so as Gloria feels more disconnected from her daughter and her daughter wants to get rid of her Barbie she actually America goes back to grab stereotypical Barbie Mm -hmm. because it's like no this means so much to me and she starts creating her art of like um you know her Death, thoughts of impeding death Barbie <laughs> and like cellulite Barbie yep, yep. which is the whole reason why Barbie's having catastrophe happen in Barbie land for yeah. her um and so as we said Barbie comes to Bar- the real world to find Gloria they have their shining moment mm-hmm. and Gloria comes back and uh Barbie has her moment where she's like I'm not pretty anymore because she feels so defeated with what's happened in Barbie yeah. land to jumping to uh, her very important monologue, yeah. which I just wanted to quote like a little bit of it. Um, Cause clearly Barbie calling herself not pretty triggered her, which <laughs> like, I'm sure I, I think we've all, I think been, we've all been there. Been yeah. there our friends saying that. So she said, it is literally impossible to be a woman. You are so beautiful and so smart. And it kills me to think that you don't think you're good enough. Like we always have to be extraordinary, but somehow we're always doing it wrong. Yeah. And it's just like, I think just that right there mm-hmm. is just enough to kind of capture exactly how every woman feels. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that like it talking about this whole idea of like being to like for Barbie to like choose to be a woman is to choose all to feel all of all the feelings. That, yeah. And this really encapsulates like this idea of like, you know, she goes on to in her monologue to talk about like all the contradictions of being mm-hmm. a woman and all the you expectations. You have to want to be skinny, but you got to be healthy. You yeah, you can't you talk about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so it's, you have to support all women. Yeah. And, and I think what it is, is that um, that's something that is kind of so intrinsic to the women's experience is like all of these conflicting things, which is uh, often more emotional. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of logic in it. No. But that kind of goes to show like like women are often criticized for being like too emotional. But 
I think that what this is kind of showing is that a lot of what is illogical is being forced on women mm-hmm. with all of these contradictions of expectations. And so by us choosing to like feel whatever it is that we're feeling amidst all these contradictions is kind of like uh, taking back a sense of power in the face of them um, because it's just impossible otherwise because we can't kind of we just can't really like overcome them just by choosing not to feel a certain way by them. Like we have to enter into it. Yeah. And I think it's important to note too, that before she goes into her, you know, the double standard, basically in the complexity yeah. of being woman monologue, um, back from the top, uh, before that her and Sasha are leaving Barbie land mm-hmm. because Barbie's defeated and doesn't want to do anything. So they're just like, let's go. Yeah. And you know, Gloria's just immediately starts bagging on herself, critiquing her art, saying her art's weird. And Mm -hmm. Sasha snaps. Yeah. And is like, your art's incredible. Mm -hmm. And like, you need to acknowledge that. So it's like, it's kind of, I thought it was kind of neat how Gloria wouldn't have probably been able to help Barbie had Sasha not called out Gloria for the same behavior. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And it was kind of beautiful that it was a daughter saying it to a mother. Because as a daughter, like as a daughter, Mm -hmm. I think we've all heard our mom speak bad about themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you know, what does that teach girls exactly to speak bad about themselves? And yeah. it's not intentional because yeah. again, it's just that pressure to be a woman. Mm-hmm. Of course, a mom's going to speak bad about herself. Yeah. And I, and I think that especially like, I feel like it's only more recent generations that are being bolstered to kind of reclaim mm-hmm. themselves and to not like, and to not, and even when they, like, I think it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like we all take talk bad about ourselves. And sometimes that is just a part of the process Mm -hmm. of like processing whatever it is that we're feeling. But to get to that point of like reclaiming um, pride in ourselves, I think that's just not something that, you know, women in generations before us were taught to do. (laughs) And uh, and not like to be seen and not heard for sure. I mean, I know they say that about kids, but I think in reality, it was really about women too. Exactly. And especially just to like draw a quick comparison from the beginning of the film where you see Barbie winning a Nobel Peace Prize and she's like, thanks, I deserve this. Yeah. And like when Barbie president's president, she's like, you're welcome. Like it's like, there is so much like, and you know, it's, that might be jarring for some people because we typically, I definitely too, for sure, Mm -hmm. as women tend to diminish our skill sets. And it's harmful for us in the workplace realistically because we don't want to to come off like we have a big ego. Mm -hmm. And so we downplay our actual strengths. Yeah, absolutely. And then it affects us. And I think another like really good moment in that like sequence of of all the Barbies was um, the one that stood out to me was Lawyer Barbie played by Sharon (laughs) Rooney. Uh, Yeah, she's great. She says... This makes me emotional and I'm expressing it. I have no difficulty holding logic and feeling at the same time. And it does not diminish my power. It expands them. And that like the way she delivers it is so funny because it's so like matter of fact. Mm -hmm. And like she says, it like really girly and Mm -hmm. like that sort of thing. And and it feels absurd Mm -hmm. to see and hear. But at the same time, there's no like there's no ounce of it that isn't correct. Like yes. it's, it's completely it's so logical true. and, but it feels so foreign to us. And I think that that's one of the things that like we talk about with like how things are parodied in the Barbie movie. Like Ken is like, it's so obvious how he's parodied, but mm-hmm. like 
the Barbies aren't quite as absurd, but like it's more in like the things that they say, like full chest. Yes. That feels so absurd to us because we can't do that. Yeah, Yeah. You don't really hear women say that stuff. And it's like, if you are a woman who is confident in whatever you do, Mm -hmm. it's like, there's always not to digress (laughs) too much, but it makes me think about how they're like, there was an article about like some Serena Williams Mm -hmm. regarding something about tennis and the volume of men who said they could beat her at (laughs) tennis. One of the best tennis players in the world. Yeah. Not for a women in the world. She's won like more awards Mm -hmm. than any like pro tennis player. And there's literally like average Joe in the middle of fucking who knows where who's like, hawk bait this bitch. It's so stupid because, like, women are told that we're, like, delusional, hysterical, all this shit. And it's like, if you've talked to a man for more, a man for more than five minutes, there's some delusion there. Like, it's, the delulu, it's, the delulu, is, delulu real. is real with, the with these men. Like, it, it's, it's wild. It's like the amount of, because patriarchal societies build up this, like, confidence mm-hmm. in men over nothing. Mommy told them they were a special boy just one too many I'm times. I'm going to tell you right now, you're, you're not, not a special You're boy. not special. Not Your even a little bit. Your doesn't, baby. <laughs> so let's talk. Us just like obliterating all our male friends. <laughs> They're like, okay. Love you, but only a little bit. Mm. Anyway, <laughs> uh, speaking of all of these delusional men, let's talk yeah. about Ken. Let's talk about Ken, but really quick, can I just say one little thing yeah. that you, sorry, not to pull too much into this like thing, but I really liked how you pointed out um, Rooney's speech and the fact that it was delivered very like girly mm-hmm. um, but all of it was very valid and that is something that I think a lot of people do still struggle with in feminism is that mm-hmm. you can't be hyper feminine yeah. and feminist yeah. and I appreciate that Barbie is hyper feminine and oh, I, yeah. I was definitely one of those girls yeah. I was a tomboy I, I was like not like pink. other girls yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't like pink oh yeah and we had to be a pick me if we were going to be a feminist if you're going to survive if you're, yeah in the 2000s. But um, when Barbie and Ken come to the real world, they see women in bikinis. It's the Miss America thing. And they say, oh, look, the Supreme Court justices. <laughs> so it doesn't it's, it doesn't matter to them that their yeah. Supreme Court justices yeah. wear bikinis. Yeah. Whereas in our culture. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are you kidding? And, and that's something that is in the, the case study by Susan Douglas that she talks about is like, women are so pitted against each other that like mass media tried to use feminism to further divide women to be like, well, you can't be a feminist if you're hyper feminine, but you also can't be like hyper feminine and be a feminist. We still see that narrative. Like there is still a lot of like um, contention between like trad wives and then like liberal feminists are always perceived as like ugly. and, And it's just like, you can be two things at once. You can be a traditional wife and be a feminist. Yeah. You can not look feminine and still be a feminist. Like it, it, yeah. To be a woman is so complex. So to try yeah. to pit women against each other. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Absurd. So, uh, yes, to jump to Ken, who's the most absurd yeah. of all the characters. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, Ryan Gosling starring as Ken, um, which uh, that was really Margot's pushing. She really, really wanted mm-hmm. him to play Ken and kind of had to like, I think she got him gifts and stuff. Um, <laughs> so you may know him from that one episode of Goosebumps, Say Cheese or Die, or mm-hmm. and I, or The Notebook, or like Drive, 
or like his golden globe for La La Land. Yeah, whatever. Whatever. Who cares? Um, no, I'm just kidding. He's a multi-talented <laughs> guy. He's fun. I don't know. He's, you know, he's not, he seems relatively unproblematic. He seems like one of the better men that came out of Mickey Mouse Club. Yeah. Between him and Justin. <laughs> <laughs> Although I believe him and Justin did have a bet of who would kiss Jessica Simpson first. And then when Justin Timberlake kissed her, he texted Ryan, which is weird to me that they carried that on for like 20 years. Oh, that, I was like, wait, texted? Hold on. Yeah, <laughs> no, so they, said, they made that in like that bet as little kids. Yeah. And then like. And Ryan Gosling's like, why are you texting yeah, me he's all like, these I, years later? Yeah. And then Justin Timberlake. That's the like, narrative we have. <laughs> he's like, I'm an Allen. So I finally got to kiss a girl. Um, <laughs> so, uh, like I said earlier, when Ken enters the real world, he uh, feels experiences patriarchy for the first time. But a quote I really wanted to like um, acknowledge, which I think is an interesting comparison if you think about how much we talked about the gays in silence, where mm-hmm. it's like used as a tool for, you know, oppressing Clarice, but also putting it, the responsibility back on us and also making us in some situations the victim mm-hmm. being viewed. Um to quote the movie, it says, Barbie has a great day every day. Ken only has a great day if Barbie looks at him. And it's yeah. interesting to change the gaze because we do talk, uh, like, because as a society, we recognize the male gaze so much mm-hmm. and, like, how it affects people on the regular. Whereas in the in this scenario, Barbie doesn't need any gaze to be self-sufficient be- yeah. or to survive, but mm-hmm. Ken needs it. Yeah, and the fact that, like, it's one of those things that a lot of, like, people might have gotten upset about of like this mistreatment of Ken yeah. or like this mis this mistreatment of the representation of men in this film or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so stupid to be upset over how a character in this film is represented as being so dependent on the women's validation when women in the real world and that we live in are literally, are literally subjected to, to that, that. And like, we're, every- we're basically groomed to believe that our validation as people depends on men wanting to look at us the way the way I think I could have retained math so much better as a teenage girl if it wasn't emphasized to me by the men in my life that having a boyfriend and being perceived as pretty was a very important to my value yeah that was more important than being good at math like literally something that said no when I hit 16 it was more important to me that a boy liked me than doing well in school Mm -hmm. and that is tragic yeah that's that's tragic yeah for sure um and and that is like such a valid point that it's like you know we really do grow groom girls and women Mm -hmm. to perceiving their value a hundred percent on how men like perceive them Mm -hmm. and here we're turning it on its head and saying ken needs this basically for his survival yeah so much so that like he goes out of his way hey barbie like you know (laughs) and then the minute pompadour ken gets the attention yeah he he growls (laughs) um which like I have to say like Ken as the character he did such a great job yeah yeah movie. like he I know some people were kind of like roasting him because he's like super peroxide blonde and they were saying he was too old and stuff and I'm like I just want to say really quick like no one should be peroxide blonde past 25 (laughs) (laughs) and also he was just too tan and everything's in HD nowadays and I think if either they toned down the hair or toned down the tan it could have not been bad but like let's stop making things in HD like I don't need (laughs) to see your pores like I don't want to see your like little 
like nose hairs. Like it's cool. <laughs> it's cool. Bring back the glow bring, of the 50s. Bring back that soft yeah. focus where you could be like 60 and no one could tell. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, but I think that's like, yeah, Ken, the casting of Ryan Gosling, I think, is so important because and I'm sure this is what Margot Robbie was thinking about when she wanted to cast him was is just that he is kind of no. It's like him and Ryan Reynolds are like both said as being like peak, beautiful man kind of thing, which I mean, yeah, to each their own. I just hate Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> I know you do. <laughs> I like Ryan Gosling. I just hate Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, for sure. And so, so I think, but Ryan Gosling, I think especially yeah. ever since like Crazy Stupid Love came out, mm-hmm. he has just been like, he is the heartthrob. Oh, I mean, and, come on, Notebook. Like if you saw yeah. Notebook as a teenage girl, like, I'm sorry, you, you had the hots for Ryan Gosling. Yeah. And then, and then with Crazy Stupid Love, him coming out shirtless, super chiseled. It's like, that's what I think a lot of people think about yeah. when they think of Ryan Gosling. So like, it makes sense to cast him as Ken, who is known as being more or less like a pretty himbo. And (laughs) that's kind of like what Ryan is like Ryan Gosling. He, he is that, but he is also like all these other things with being a great actor, great singer, dancer, like all, like he's an extreme, he's, he's so talented, but can also play like a himbo mm-hmm. if he needs to because he he can look like it yeah. so easily yeah. and so he He's, really like it's almost like he goes into like full method acting with oh, how he portrays sure. Ken like because of like how much he ad libbed and like yeah. all that sort of stuff improvised and and I think that um, something we had talked about is how like this is almost like his. Like he's known for so many movies, but mm-hmm. it's almost like feels like this is going to be his Hannibal Lecter if, now. He is, he was already such an established actor, but I think this is actually going to give him like a second renaissance, honestly, yeah. because it's opening him up to like another generation of girls too mm-hmm. that are going to love him. Um, just because like now he's like, he's, he's a girl dad too. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's, you know, what's not to love. And I also like, he really, once he embraced the character, like he really got into it. Cause like, remember that, or maybe you didn't see it, but he posted like a picture of his daughter's Ken doll face down in the dirt. <laughs> and he was like, like, yes, I'm like, this is me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this yeah. Is Ken. <laughs> so, I mean, I really, I really, I want to say that I really loved his acting. I loved his like improv improvised scenes, the way he delivers, like, you know, it's actually really hard uh, to beach. And like, <laughs> Um, it's a common misconception that like what I do, it's just beach. It's just beach. Like, yeah, he is so silly and he is so good, but I, I do have to say (laughs) that I do get a little disappointed that I feel like the movie became about Ken rather than about Barbie in the same way that silence became about Lecter rather than Clarice. And I, it really irks me that Barbie apologizes for her treatment of Ken, which like, as you said, like people get upset about the treatments of Ken in that movie and they do acknowledge that mm-hmm. like Barbie apologizes that they know and like even Sasha's like where did the Kens go and she's like huh, I never thought about that <laughs> which like honestly I think that's hilarious yeah but the fact that like Barbie acknowledges like yeah we didn't always treat Kens right and that's not okay mm-hmm. yeah um however Ken never really apologizes for brainwashing all of her friends and like practically like overturning <laughs> Barbie land and making it shitty yeah exactly so many hummers <laughs> I, I think just in then like making it shitty, I want to do a shout out to the campfire scene of playing. Ugh. What was it? Uh, uh, Matchbox 20 or push by <laughs> Matchbox 20, which I actually love that. that song. And that was honestly one of the funniest things like scenes of anything well, I think I've she, ever seen. She did that because 
that is canon. That is yeah. a universal. It's a universal experience. experience. If Absolutely. you are at any point interested in a man who plays an instrument, mm-hmm. you will be in that situation. You've never not been at a party where a man pulled out a guitar and played some stupid fucking then you're song. Lying. Yeah. There's so many. Oh my God. There was always a motherfucker at a party with yeah. an acoustic guitar. And it's like, we sh- all have him in our brain right now. We can see him. We're triggered. And I'm ready to fight. And I hate him. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope you're not succeeding in your yeah. life right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, I will say what I do appreciate about Ken is like, I love how, how not stuck to any values he really is at the <laughs> yeah. end of the day, because yeah. it's like, first, he doesn't like the treatment of Barbie Lane. He comes to the real world. He's not yeah. getting his way in the real world because no one will give him a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so then he could just decide he'll bring patriarchy back to Barbie Lane, yeah. manipulates it. But then by the end of it, when him and Barbie are kind of having their heart to heart, mm-hmm. he's like, once I realized it wasn't about horses, I kind of lost interest. Yeah, exactly. And I love, um, I'm trying to look up the actor name real quick so I can reference it. But I love like when, like after the Kens have fought, I I think it's after Barbie, the main Barbie and the main Ken make up. um, One of the Kens says, uh, he just says like, I miss my friend. Like yes. I miss my friend Barbie. But that was a really great <laughs> yeah. quote where yeah. it was just like, again, cause it's like, I do think there was a really big narrative with the doll that Ken's her boyfriend. Yeah. Whereas in the film, mm-hmm. which one thing America does say is she never had a Ken doll, which yeah. I think translates as to why Barbie's so disinterested in her Ken doll. Yeah. Cause not all the Barbies are as disinterested. Yeah. And then you have that Barbie who is friends with her Kendall and yeah. he misses her. Exactly. So yeah, to literally say like, I just miss my friend. And that's like this whole thing of like, it's not supposed to be like. He didn't have an underlining motivating <laughs> goal of fucking her. What? <laughs> what is that? And I, I, think, I think it does speak to this whole idea of, of the point of the movie isn't Barbie versus Ken. It's no. not men versus women. It's supposed to like bring everyone together in this sort of like all the relationships look different. It's like, yes, every Barbie has a Ken, but all of those relationships look different, whether they're romantic or or just platonic or disinterested. And honestly, with that quote, too. That Ken's displaying that despite having more power in this new Barbie land, Mm -hmm. He'd rather go back to the way things were yes. to have that friendship, yes. which is honestly beautiful. That's so like, beautiful. The fact he's willing to give up power to continue having his friend is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just think about it. Just think about it. You just know, think about there's it. a lot of these things. I think that the Barbie movie is seen. I think I've known people that like saw it the one time and they kind of fell fell into that whole first time experience that I had too of like, you know, this is, it's too basic. It's Mm -hmm. not saying enough. It's not doing enough to be lauded as this big feminist thing. But when you really look at like all of those little details, like there is so much packed into this movie and it's so like rapid fire Mm -hmm. over the top in your face and new or nuanced. Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I think what it is, is like the, the, the things that are really in your face are like the monologue and stuff like that, that feel very one-on-one. But in all of the nuances, there's these details and like little sweet moments that are so insightful Yeah, that I think it does take like multiple watches to be able to catch everything. Oh, absolutely. But the cool thing is, and I think that this probably is like very intentional and in it, because I think about this with like Ken being like a lot of people's favorite part of the movie 
is that he's so funny. He's so entertaining. It's forcing people to come back to the movie again and again and again. And it tricks you into hearing the messages and seeing the messages and processing them over and over and over again. Yeah. We're going to get in your head (laughs) with this feminism. (laughs) So speaking of sweet scenes that I love, um, really quick to just give a honorable mention to Michael Sarah as Alan. Talk about sweet. We'll talk about Ally. <laughs> Ally. <laughs> Alan the Ally. <laughs> Maybe that's why his name is Alan. Yeah. Um, and I, so first of all, like, love Michael Sarah, little baby bird boy. Oh, yeah. He's so sweet. <laughs> I know. He's so cute. And he, like, really is probably, like, again, one of those few men in Hollywood that, you know, has a pretty good squeaky clean reputation. Doesn't he, like, still not use a smartphone? Or, like, for the longest time he was using, like, a regular like flip phone I don't know he just seems like I don't know like despite being famous he could be so much more famous if he really wanted to and what I really like about Michael Sarah is he could he could be this genuine sweet little angel baby we see Mm -hmm. or he could be exactly like his character in this is the end who's just (laughs) constantly doing blow and like smacking Smacking Rihanna which that smack back that she hit him in the face yeah. was real good for her he said that made him take a step back that was a genuine <laughs> As reaction he should. but what i love like i love alan and michael sarah's comedic timings like the way they just like pan to him and then there's and then there's only one of alan yeah <laughs> and it's just like him just in He's this like, weird yeah. little outfit kind of out of question about that <laughs> yeah and i love the scene where uh Sasha and Gloria and Alan are leaving Barbie land because Alan's like, if I sit on another goddamn leather couch, I'm going to lose my mind. Miserable and um, relatable. And relatable. He's like, um, if these Kens figure out to build the, all, the wall the other direction, <laughs> Barbie land's going to be sealed from the real world forever. And so he gets out of the car and he's like, hi, I'm Alan, Ken's buddy. Oh, it's supposed to fit me. And then he punches the guy. Like, it's, it's so funny. And it's also like, I, I think too, what I what I like about that, that Alan, Alan displays violence too, <laughs> is that I think that, especially like the term simp, like yeah. the idea of men who do ally with women and do just like wholeheartedly support women. Yeah. And it's not like, I painted my nails black, I'm a feminist. Like, no, <laughs> you actually like hear, hear listen to women, hear yes, women want yeah. to support and bolster women. Yeah. Like, that does not inherently make you weak. Yeah. And Alan displayed that in that physicality. Exactly. Which I think like uh, Michael Sarah is probably seen as not being like a hyper masculine. All of his actor. characters have been so non-threatening. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting that you say that because he is all the other Kens when they fight. It turns a into dance. a dance. Yeah. It's, it's dance ridiculous. Yeah. And like, granted, I know one of the businessmen got shot and they just never <laughs> clarify where there's weapons because there's not yeah, supposed to be weapons It's supposed to be like body. tennis uh, rackets and but stuff yes, like that. But yes, the yeah. real Kens who are displaying the hyper-masculinity yeah. are performing a fight, whereas Alan, Alan actually is actually beating the beats. shit out of like 10 Ken, Kens by himself. Yeah, exactly. And then they don't even go back to the real world. <laughs> He did all that for yeah, nothing. Yeah, all that for nothing. But, you know, that's, yeah. that's a true ally. That's yeah, why. Yeah, exactly. And that, and that, I think, is, like, Alan is more of, I think, what men are supposed to be aspiring for yes, in because, this film. Well, and that's one great thing to... Act, I'm so glad you said that because it makes me... Reminds myself of the fact that Alan is one, the only, like, within the Barbie universe, the only character that can survive in the real world. Yeah. As he says, all the in sync are Allens. Whereas like debatable. 
honestly, at this point. Yeah. Well, this was before, this was before, before Brittany's, Brittany's book. book. Yeah, that's but, true. Um, even with that said, because even Skipper being in Florida, wanting to babysit, caused like, a problem. <laughs> I forgot about that scene. That's so I loved, funny. I had the Pizza Hut Skipper. I loved her little fit. It was so cute. Um, so it's, it is funny that Alan is... He's the most human character other than stereotypical Barbie at the end, obviously, Mm -hmm. because he can kind of move between these two worlds. Yeah. And I think that does show how much more complex his character actually is without getting anything about him. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like they make it a joke like he's just Alan. There's just one of him. No one cares. But it's like and he can just go in the real world. No one cares. But But it's like it's also if you say like there's only one Alan that shows that like he's an individual. All these Kens that buy into this like masculine like patriarchal bullshit mm-hmm. they're unoriginal they're the dimes a dozen yeah exactly and he's one in a billion and and it's also this idea that like we talk i think a lot of people will hear like in feminism we talk about this idea that like patriarchy takes away power control individuality independence from women mm-hmm. but it also does to men and we see that in <laughs> in barbie land Whereas Alan doesn't buy into the patriarchy crap. He's Mm -hmm. just, it lives his life and therefore there's only one of him. And so it it just kind of like really makes you question the, the, this idea of like buying into these like societal structures that are, you know, sold to us as a way to like have power or whatever, Mm -hmm. like patriarchy for men, but it really does oppress them in different ways than it oppresses women, but there are, the oppression still exists. Well, I, yeah, I think the, mo- well, and that's okay. And that's something <laughs> I really want to say quick, like um, about the movie in and it of itself is like, yes, this is very much an intro to feminism film. Mm-hmm. Does it talk about things like intersexual fe- feminism? Absolutely not. Yeah. It doesn't talk about the discrepancies that, you know, black women experience in America mm-hmm. versus the experience of a white woman in America. Yeah. Or like trans women but and, I think, and all that. Yeah, trans women. But I uh, think that uh, that is because in Barbie land, those aren't issues. Yeah. The president is black there, you know, there is definitely a lot of white Barbies. There's mm-hmm. no question of that. But, you know, you have an Asian Ken like it's not it doesn't and no one questions it. It yeah. doesn't matter. He's Ken. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter. So I think that, I think if if that's a problem for some people in the film, which I absolutely respect that, you know, they don't talk about those issues. I think it's just because it's not a problem in Barbie land and maybe yeah. that's why they don't address them. And also this is Feminist 101. And yeah. also it is like a movie so you should yeah. this should be like if you want to start learning more about feminist theory mm-hmm. this would be like a fun way to start yeah and then I would recommend you know read some Angela Davis yeah. <laughs> get it's a different a, perspective yeah. that's not just white women get some Judith Butler yeah, yeah. exactly it's, for sure it's one of those things that's like because um, I don't want to take away that acknowledgement sorry yeah no for for sure and I think that like this movie it kind of sneaks these bigger topics of feminism in, mm-hmm. I think, and it forces you to kind of to, to think about it in these ways. And like, um, specifically with like, how the Kens are treated, I don't think most people do think about how patriarchy affects men. And no. I think that this is something I think I think what this movie is more looking at is how patriarchy affects Sex women and, and how it affects men yeah, it affects rather everyone. than like getting into like the 
the specifics and nuances of every individual experience. This keeps it much more general, which I think is like very necessary when you're first trying to grasp these concepts. It makes it palpable. Exactly. It makes it user friendly. And especially if it's, I would say like, if you're someone who's really against, you know, maybe has strong opinions against feminism or uh, it could be like a good soft launch. Yeah. And I, and I think that this kind of comes back to like, like people that are against feminism, this idea of like parody and the alienation Mm -hmm. effect. It's like, it's kind of showing you the absurdity of your own ideals. If you're against feminism and for patriarchy, like it really just shows how absurd and like, cause no one's winning. Exactly. Exactly. And so, yeah. So Katie, Greta Gerwig, hot or not. She's a hottie for sure. Yeah, for uh, sure. I haven't seen a single film that she's directed or been a part of that I haven't enjoyed. Yeah. And Barbie is just like, you know, I mean, she did great with Lady Bird, Sacramento native. She did great with Little Women taking on that project and then like blew up everything with Barbie. Yeah, she's uh, it's I'm definitely excited to see where her career takes her. Yeah, because um, she is still young. And, yeah, that's true. Uh, she's already just like. It's really cool. Yeah. I'm really proud of her. Taking over the world. Proud of you, girl. Proud of you. Uh, what about Barbie? Pop or flop? <laughs> well, it's for sure a bop. Yeah. I mean, cool. I, <laughs> and, I, and I think that, you know, this idea of like the evolution of mainstream feminism, it'll like something that we, or that at least I struggled with for this week's uh, episode was there's basically no criticism or like scholarly criticism mm-hmm. out there of Barbie no. yet. Um, and so so because, because it's so new, it needs at least three years to get into academic circles in that, like in a way that's been cross, uh, examined, but I think that it will go down as like a significant moment in feminist history Mm -hmm. because of like how prevalent it was in everyone's brain. It will definitely be interesting to see how this affects media moving forward, like film Mm -hmm. and television. And then it'll also be interesting to see, you know, the kind of discussion around it, you know, like you said, three, 10, 15 years from yeah. now, especially by comparison of silence. When maybe it first came out, it wasn't, I don't know, because I was like two, but yeah. <laughs> when it first came out, who knows what the perception was initially, but you yeah. know, definitely now 30 years later, it's absolutely mm-hmm. acknowledged for what it did for feminism. Yeah, exactly. In media. Exactly. So that's episode two yeah we did it. that's awesome another one in the can so we got another one in the can we're cooking up another one for you (laughs) (laughs) so uh watch out trendy ass posers Uh, bye bye watching out loud is recorded edited and produced by kelly appel katie sarasset and george sarasset all celebrity gossip is alleged and any sources reference can be found in the show notes. Follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Watching Out Loud Pod to stay up to date with episodes and all content. And if you would like to request any films or just reach out, you can also contact us at watchingoutloudpod at gmail.com. Until next time, watch, watch out. out. <laughs>